You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Welcome, West Side Church. It's great to worship today with everyone. You know, we live in a really polarizing world. I'm sure you have noticed that everywhere around, there are extremes of opinion. Differences everywhere, and it's very easy to find an opinion about every topic from any extreme with a simple internet search. Uh, I can sense the tension. I imagine that many of us today sense it. I do believe a lot of the tension that we're experiencing is incredibly healthy, that God is allowing us to uh, open up our hearts and see things in a way we haven't seen in a long time. You know, I like to read the news, but unfortunately, I don't know exactly uh, which channel to turn to or which website to turn to. So I've made a a decision to really look at a number of different ones from differing opinions uh, and viewpoints so I can form my own opinion of what's going on in the world. And I think all of us can uh, really attest to the polarity and challenging tension that exists in the world. And I think in our nature... We long to get rid of that tension and for everything to be nice and harmonious. That's a normal desire and goal I think we have in our innate selves. For me, I know uh, I'll give you an example of a challenge that that happened recently, two weeks ago. Many of you watching heard I made a closing announcement uh, in one of our services, and it was regarding some very sensitive information and perspectives. I don't think I did as well a job of explaining the context of where I was coming from in that particular uh, announcement. If you heard it, it may have triggered you. And I received many immediate messages of actually of encouragement that thank you, that was courageous, thank you. Others later that day and a couple days later, a number of people talked to me and said they were really hurt. And I certainly am sorry if I hurt people by those comments. I later clarified a little more of the context and background and heart of myself as well as the church staff regarding many of these issues. And even in doing that, it's difficult to balance these extremes. Many wonder about that. And I do think that it's an example that uh, we live in a world that it's very challenging to balance these types of viewpoints and extremes in a way that doesn't hurt one group or another. And in fact, I don't think it's possible, in fact. Uh, That being said, I'm not going to share what that was. If you didn't hear it, I'm not bringing it up. It's counterproductive to my goal today. The goal today is to get us to understand and recognize that we live in a world of extremes and we're going to need to embrace the tension of those extremes. Jesus started the process and embraced the process and really was the picture of living within the tension And the balance of these many extremes, his very birth is such. And we read in Luke chapter 2, and as we study the book of Luke, I want you to hear that we chose the book of Luke because it specifically addresses many marginalized classes and individuals of people. Ken did a great job of addressing that, going through various examples uh, on racism and classism and sexism in our past series. Today, I really want to talk about the overall concept of embracing this tension And I want to look at the birth of Jesus here in chapter two, verse or chapter two, uh, looking in verse eight, where it says there were shepherds out in the field. And the angel said to them, for born to you this day is Christ the Lord. 
And on down it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angel in this passage appeared to shepherds to reveal that the son of God, the king of the world, was coming into mankind's presence in order to reveal his message of love and grace and peace. But he would embrace a tension that exists. And as he, even his appearance, the angel's appearance to shepherds, is a little highlight of how God can flip things on its head. You know, studying a little history on these uh, shepherds and really the uh, way people in the first century viewed shepherding as a career and shepherds as a people class, it's very interesting. Uh, Dr. Uh, Jeremiah says that, in fact, uh, shepherds were the lowest, one of the lowest class. They did not have equal civil rights. They were not able to testify in court. And a lot of that traced back to their years of bondage under, under slavery, slavery with Egypt and how that propagated through the years into the culture uh, of the Hebrew nation. And so they looked down on them terribly. And yet God saw fit to reveal this incredible message of hope to mankind and revealed it to shepherds in a field, the marginalized in that generation. And so, number two, you see that Jesus, and if you know the story, when he was born, he was placed in a manger. So here's the king of all the world placed in a feeding trough for animals. You know, when he came, it says to bring peace. Peace is something we do desire. And as we talk today about tension, as we talk today about embracing the tension of our world and understanding how to work uh, amidst these different polarizing extremes, I want you to see that Jesus did come to bring peace. And peace is something we should seek. But peace comes from God. You know, the Hebrews, their greeting would be shalom, a harmony, a peace. May that come upon you. And truly, God's intention is that he would bring peace. But if you look at the text right there, it says peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so you can understand then the other side of the coin would be those with whom he is not pleased. There may be a sense of unrest and discipline and judgment. And we're going to study that a little bit here as we study through some passages in the book of Luke. So let's move on. Jesus embraced the tension of extremes. And we know this passage when he goes to his hometown to preach. In verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he goes on and says, to release the oppressed. And, and, and it goes on and says he's proclaiming this good news. And it says, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built. So that they could throw him down the cliff. So I have sort of footnoted the passage a little. If you read the whole thing. At, at first they say, hey, he's awesome. Look at these gracious words. He's here to lift the oppressed and proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. But then he goes on and he points out that they tend to be faithless and religiously oriented and aren't seeing what God's intending to accomplish among them. 
and that he actually gets sent oftentimes to their enemies. And so they get mad in one sermon. He has them praising him and cursing him, actually trying to kill him. I love the end of the passage. I don't have it listed there, but it says he walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. So that Jesus understood there would be tension and he knew how to embrace this tension. And he had a deep peace that passed understanding in his heart as he walked with God. I want you today to embrace the tension of extremes. And some of you might feel tired by what's going on in our world. Certainly the, the virus and uh, the proliferation of it in L.A. County where we live. And we're hearing about cases. And uh, then we're hearing uh, so much good information about the history of systemic racism. And I know for you, uh, for me rather, I've been reading a new book called The Color of Compromise. And I want to educate myself on the history. This is about the history of evangelicalism with respect to slavery and racism. Man, it is eye-opening. Uh, and I'm, in, I'm energized by seeing it, and I'm brokenhearted over it. Uh, this is a real issue. Some of us might be tired. We're, we're, it's, there's tension. There's challenges. We sort of want to get back to the way things were. And I want to urge us to not think that way, that uh, God will give us peace in the right times, in the right ways, but... I want us to embrace this tension, this learning time, and really grow. I super appreciate our Kingdom Inclusion team and the work that they are doing. Uh, it's been fantastic. I appreciate seeing so much effort and heart and humility uh, to really guide us so we can be culturally competent and so we can really have a cultural humility and so we can go after loving the way Jesus loved. And we're going to need to embrace the tension of extremes in our world at this time. You know, Jesus absolutely did this and he had a, a polarity of views that would occur when he preached and taught. We talked about peace, but we see in Luke 10, verse 5, he says, Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. So did he come to bring peace? He was telling his apostles who were going out to preach the gospel. When you enter a house, say peace to this house. But later on in Luke, just two chapters later, we read in chapter 12, verse 51. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Because he understood that preaching the gospel, preaching the truth, loving the marginalized will flip our culture on its head and our value system on its head. Many don't have a value system. Their moral stance is very weak. They don't have one. So they're going to resist a strong stand, a moral framework. Others might feel like their moral framework is the right one. I'm so sure mine is right. How dare you call it into question? And he did that many times, certainly to the religious class and the ruling religious class of his day. So there is tension. Is he bring peace? Or division. Well, the truth is, he would balance these extremes. He came to bring both. Another example we find, as we read further on in Luke, I want to read the example in Luke 11, uh, of where he's speaking to a Pharisee. So let's look there in verse 37. It says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not First, wash before dinner. So my 10-year-old son would feel really great to know that that was Jesus' example. But uh, he's obedient. He does when we ask. Verse 39, And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and, and of the dish, 
But inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. You see the exclamation point there in the ESV version. You fools. Did, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Certainly this passage, Jesus is going after the pharisaical heart uh, that says, follow rules instead of seeing the heart of God. Instead of looking beyond religious rules, man-made rules, let's look at the inside of mercy and justice and kindness and grace. And so he judged them, didn't he? Well, we also see, and that certainly caused some challenges in his day, we do know that it was the religious ruling class of his day that brought him to uh, trial. Well, we look on in chapter 13 of Luke. Look in verse 10 there. Another example, this one of mercy. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Certainly he brought mercy and healing and kindness. In the middle of a polarized society of his day, he brought it in many, many ways. And I think for all of us, we need to see that there is this tension Jesus did not please everyone. He stirred up a, a considerable amount of conflict. Uh, however, he always held to a balanced understanding of walking and pleasing his Father in heaven. He was spiritual. And he didn't let his intellect be louder than his spirituality, which sometimes in our religious zeal we can do that. He embraced the struggle to balance these many tensions that existed. And I would say to all of you that as we go about building uh, whatever organization, organization it is you want to build, you're going to have to manage polarities. There's a great book I'm reading on managing polarities in a congregation. And I want to show you guys this concept of church polarity management. A lot of times we see these conflicts and extremes as problems that have to be resolved and solved completely, when the reality is they're simply tensions that are healthy and good and have to be managed. And as we manage them, our church, our organization, our family, uh, whatever it is you're a part of, will have to manage these tensions in a synergistic way so that the ultimate aims and goals of that organization can be accomplished. You know, with church... The book I'm reading talks about how there's a variety of different polarities. You've got tradition versus innovation. Uh, certainly that is an issue. I would say we have a tremendously inspired, uh, talented uh, crop of young individuals right here on the West Side Church. And they are inspired to do something. And I just got to say, I'm with them in not wanting to have a stagnant, boring fellowship. Uh, I grew up not really religious, but I certainly wasn't attracted to a uh, stuck-in-the-mud, boring, rule-oriented church that seemed hypocritical. I, I didn't want to be a part of that at all. My, my own upbringing wasn't one of deep religion, but I certainly wanted to do something adventurous and exciting 
and spirit-led. And I know our young people want that. So innovation is crucial. Uh, it's, it's essential to the growth of any organization. And I want us to embrace that. But, you know, side by side with that is principles and tradition and holding to foundational things that uh, will keep a stability. And in any organization, you really need both. And I'm grateful that uh, there's incredible dialogue between some of our young dreamers and our old dreamers. And God has a great plan, I believe, for the West Side, the Los Angeles, and our international churches as a whole. You know, God is revealing himself in great ways. And we see uh, these polarities exist. And we could go through them at a different time in detail. You can take a look at the idea of individual health with institutional health. Management versus leadership. Is staff leadership strong or is non-staff leadership strong? Which is more important? The answer is both and. Inreach versus outreach. Nurture versus transformation. Duty versus calling. And this is a polarity that we wrestle with every day. Hey, what do I do with my time? Should I go to that event? Should should I follow through and, and be a part of that event even though it conflicts with this other event? Should I change my schedule for, you know, this church event so that I can attend this other church event? And we're constantly battling. What about family events and the polarity of work? And we have all these challenging decisions. Yes, we must balance our calling with our duty. And I put before you this. It's not a question often of right and wrong. And your decisions are not often a question of right and wrong. Your goal should be to please God. And I believe God is pleased when you struggle. Remember, Jacob, the patriarch, he had to wrestle with God. And God gave him a new name. He gave him the name Israel. He struggles with God and has overcome. And I believe that the tension, the struggle with the tension, is how we please God. It is in that struggle that you are, in fact, pleasing God. Don't attempt to eliminate the tension. Just manage the tension. Amen? I want to talk uh, about the cross. The ultimate example of a polarity. I want to read from Luke chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us! But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. See, the cross gives us the perfect picture of balancing the tension of extremes. The cross perfectly balances two infinite truths. That we are so valuable. And God loves us so much that He was willing to give His Son for us. That Jesus loves us so much that He was willing to die for us. But that our sin, our nature, our system, our culture, our world is so evil that it killed the Son of God. And so, we deserve death, and yet we are more valuable than life itself. We deserve death, 
Because we're responsible for the death of the Son of God, each and every one of us. And yet God says, you're, you're incredibly valuable. You're so valuable, I would give my Son for your life. And I think when we look at the cross and begin to think about this message of what Jesus has given to the human race, it helps us to balance these extremes and live in attention. To comprehend the meaning of the cross is to be able to live in this infinite tension of recognizing that, yes, we're not worthy of anything, but we're so valuable and precious. Every single one of us is valuable and precious. Every class that's been marginalized, every person that's been victimized by a system that's that's corrupt and damaging, those that are even in the system that are part of hurting it because they can't see it, they are valuable. Those that have been damaged deeply, they are valuable. But they're all each responsible to own the death of Jesus. And it's in observing and seeing and comprehending that that a transformation takes place in our life. It is the answer to this tension and to our desire to have a true peace that passes understanding. And I want to close out before we take communion with this final thought that we need to embrace the tension of living between the ages. And I want to explain that. I want to read from Acts 1, verse 10. Of course, Luke wrote Acts, so it's sort of Luke chapter 2 or Luke 2, so to speak. And as we read there, I want you to see we're bringing in the ascension portion. He's, he's died, he's resurrected, and here we find it says there are angels that speak to the apostles. It says, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He is coming back. Jesus resurrected physically and he physically ascended into heaven, which I don't necessarily think it means up there. I think it's I think heaven is around. It's somewhere. It's a spiritual world. And I believe Jesus can reappear. The Bible says he will come back. He'll come, I guess, out of the clouds. And there's other verses that say every eye will see him and everyone will know. But that time hasn't happened yet. And when that time comes, I believe the systemic injustice of our world, the evil and the confounded extremes that we have to live within right now will eventually be completely resolved. And Jesus and God... And the Spirit will be all in all. God, the Bible says that God will be all in all. And there'll be something incredible. It'll be, that's heaven. That's what heaven's going to be. It's going to be something. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, it's going to have, I want to let everybody know, biblically speaking, it's going to have some kind of physicality to it. A physicality that we can't quite comprehend. But that means we can't just discard the physicality on this earth. He intends for us to live between the age and what does that mean? He's resurrected and he's shown us that perfection 
and peace and the answers to life exist. The cross and the resurrection demonstrate that to us. There's forgiveness. There's new life. There's transformation. There's a chance to change Every problem can be changed. Will they all be changed in our lifetime? I don't think they will. But we are to give a foretaste within his family, within the church, within the kingdom of God of this eternal place that will resolve the tensions once and for all. But in these days, we live in a fallen world. So you live in the age between the resurrection the ascension, and his return. So at this point, we're waiting for him to come back, but he hasn't come back, and so it's challenging, right? It's real challenging. And we're going to run into all kinds of conflict. Embrace it. Don't run from it. Find a peace that passes understanding and hold on to the hope. There's a hope we have, and there's a message we have. If you've not really studied the Bible in depth, please, I urge you, uh, we're... Uh, wanting to teach the Bible to many people that are learning about Jesus for the first time, the second time, or the hundredth time. Uh, we have a Zoom call after church, uh, after this service today. You can go ahead and uh, some of the ministers will be on there. You can go ahead and click on there for a few minutes and we can con- converse with you and talk really about some of these issues. We want to help people to see that the answer is there. The resolution to the pain is there. It's in our understanding and acceptance of what Jesus has done. So thank you so much today for being with us. We're going to pray for communion at this time. Let's embrace the tension of extremes the way Jesus did. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. We're so grateful to worship you. So grateful to be a part of something big that you're doing. And we feel it across the globe right now. Father, I pray that you will work uh, in our hearts, that we wouldn't shrink back from the training and learning we're receiving. Help us to embrace the tension and know that it's in working through the different tensions that we actually please you. We ask for a peace that passes understanding that comes from the cross, from accepting your enormous love, taking responsibility for our, our actions and, and, and our role uh, in the hurts of this world. And thank you so much for Jesus' blood shed. Father, we take this bread to remind us of the body given and the blood shed uh, that gives us a second chance each and every day. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.